Welcome to Wild Animals, crazy stories about animals told by the people who study them. I'm your host, Roland Case. Hi everyone, today I'm excited to be talking about Osito, the bat who wanted a harem but ended up in a ditch. Today I'm very excited to have Tigo Mara here. He's a researcher at the Max Planck Institute of Ornithology and a newly appointed assistant professor at Southeastern Louisiana University. Welcome, Tigo. Hey, thanks, Roland. It's, it's be awesome here. to be here. So I'm yeah. excited to be talking about bats today. Which yep. bat? There's a lot of bats out there. Which one are we talking about? Uh, so today we're going to talk about the greater spear-nosed bat in Panama, and its scientific name is Philostomus histatus. Okay, and what does this spear-nosed bat look like other than the nose? <laughs> I guess it's pointy. Yeah, it has a pointy, a very big and pointy nose, um, but they're very uh, they're one of the biggest bats in the Neotropics, so they're actually the second heaviest bat. They have a wingspan just under one meter, so just Whoa. under about a yard, so they're okay. actually pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, and the really cool thing about these bats is that they eat everything. So they eat a lot of fruit and nectar, but they also eat vertebrates, insects, they'll eat other bats. So when you're the biggest chance. bat around, you can kind of eat whatever exactly. you want, Exactly, you can right? eat anything that you want when you're one of the biggest bats around. And actually, they have the biggest bite force for any bats of any size oh. ever. Have you been bitten by them? Yeah, so they can bite through gloves and bite through your fingernail. They can bite through and pretty much. They drop everything. blood. Yeah. When they got you? Yep. <laughs> they crush bone. <laughs> oh crap! Yeah. All right, so this isn't a bat to to uh, to to mess around no, with. No, so they can be pretty formidable. Is this one that has stripes on the back? Uh, nope, they're all brown. They're just so so just a brown big bat with kind of a spear nose, like yep, a, like a exactly. leaf nose, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, uh, what? Why were you interested in studying uh, the, this bat? <clears throat> So this bat it does some really special things for bats. First off, females come together and they're unrelated. So these unrelated females come together and they live in the same social group for 10 years. And these females cooperate to raise each other's young. They'll defend each other, each other's babies from other bat groups. But also the thing that we were really interested in doing was tracking how they actually find food. So what they're supposed to do is go out, they find balsa trees during the time when balsa flowers and then they defend these trees and call to their other group mates to bring everybody in. So we were really interested in seeing what are the group dynamics when they go out and forage for these specific types of trees. Okay, so you've got a bunch of females living together and, uh, and foraging together and yep. telling each other where the food is. Exactly, so they have all these females living together and they have one male who lives with them. Oh, so lucky dude. These <laughs> Sort of, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's not good to be sometimes the only male in the back group. Well, it depends. The males have a very short tenure in these groups, okay. so they'll only be around for one or two years. And the females are the ones who get to decide which male no lives kidding. with them. So they usually are looking for the biggest, healthiest, baddest male around. Okay. And he's going to become the father for their offspring for those next couple of years. And how, um, how, how, how many females are in a group? It'll be like somewhere between 10 to 15 females per okay. group. And so what were you trying to study with these guys? Uh, so we really wanted to understand what their social relationships are, especially when they go out to forage. Because um, we have a lot of information about what happens when they're in their roost because we can easily observe that kind of stuff. Right. But when they actually are flying around in the dark <laughs> at night, we don't know much about what they actually do. Right, because they're gone. and then so They're just gone. And they can fly super fast. So we, you know, it's, we could have some data on radio tracking for them, but we don't really have really good information about how these groups move together because they're supposed to be so cooperative with each other right. that we think that they're actually supposed to move cooperatively with each other too. 
So, but so, so you're saying radio track, that's like old school radio where you're running around with an antenna and exactly. you can sort of vaguely tell where they are. But yep. So you guys stepped it up in your study, right? Yeah, we, stepped, we tried to use super high resolution GPS. Okay. So we had GPS loggers that we were putting on the bats that we could record their position every second. Oh, wow. So because they recorded every one second, we could see how groups, how the individuals in those groups move together. Yeah. So you could see, do they turn all together or do they fly separately from one another? Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the idea is you, you want to catch all the, all the females, all the animals from one group, right? Yep, exactly. We want to be able to catch everybody in one single group, put tags on all those animals, and then see how they all fly out at okay. night together. So where were you doing this work and how were you catching a whole group of female bat, female <laughs> bone-crushing bats? Exactly. Uh, so we're doing all of this work in Panama. Um, and the site we're talking about today is in Gamboa. So this is one of the sites at the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute. Um, and it's where people have been working for a lot of years on different aspects of tropical forest ecology and animal behavior. Right, right. I've been to Gamboa. It's a beautiful place. I've yeah, lived there for a while. It's, it's, it's so it's, nice. It's just like this little strange, almost suburban uh, town that was, you know, made by the U.S. in this in this fifties, probably when they yeah. ran the canal right near the canal. And there's just rainforest and nature everywhere. Yeah. So. so you're just like in this weird little village that's right next to the rainforest. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, where were the bats? So, the bats that we found were in a drainage tunnel underneath uh, sort of a big park area. Okay, so just like, a, like, like you would see in a neighborhood where the, where the water drains off the highway. Yep, and... But this one is about uh, two meters tall. So, I could, I'm, a, I'm about six feet two inches. Oh, wow. And so, I can okay. walk through this. So, it's a big drainage tunnel. Yeah. Normally, these bats roost in caves and in trees, but for some reason, the bats that we found were in this sort of unusual spot. Yeah. Okay. So, and is this where you met Osito for the this first time? This is where I met Osito for the first time. Okay. So let's talk about Osito, yeah. the star of our, of our story today. <laughs> He's a bone crushing uh, bat, second biggest bat in the Americas. Yep. And uh, I always refer to these bats as bears because they have diets that are a lot like, uh, especially black bears, where they eat a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, so they'll eat fruits, they'll eat, you know, insects if they can get them, they'll eat lots of different kinds of stuff. So I always think of <clears throat> these kinds of bats as flying bears. So that's also why we named him Osito, because in Spanish it means little bear. Okay, so yeah. little bear, good. Little bear. I can I can sort of picture this little <laughs> brown bear with the, the wings and a spear nose. Yep, exactly. So the first time we found Osito, he was in there with a, another young female, and so we caught them because we wanted to uh, test out how we can use some physiology loggers. So we were trying to understand how their hearts change, their heart rates change when they forage, and also their body temperature. Okay, wow. So we brought these two bats into captivity. They gave us great data. Osito was fantastic because he was super cooperative. Um, so how is a bat cooperative or uncooperative? Uh, whether or not they actually learn really quickly to let you handle them, because we needed to, in, like we were doing a little minor surgery on them to put a logger underneath their skin. Okay. And so we kept them in captivity for a few days. Right, make sure he's doing all right. Make sure they're the... doing all right and that they're getting good data and that everything is going to be okay with these guys if we take this to a next step to understand how they actually live their lives in the wild. Right. So what do you feed them when you have them in captivity? Uh, we feed them lots of fruit. So these guys mostly eat fruit most of the time. So what kind of fruit? Uh, lots of bananas and papaya. We okay. give them different kinds of mash. So he, he was kind of happy to do this trade-off. I'll, I'll hang out here and let you poke at me a little bit yep. if you feed me lots of banana exactly. papaya. Exactly. And so he would, let, he would let us grab hold of him to you know, make sure that he's okay and we can inspect his surgical wow. sites. Yeah, he was great. He was, super, he was a wonderful bat. Okay. And so... You know, after he was done, we let him go back, and the two of them went back to their roost, and everything was great. So the next time we saw Osito was when we were going out to tag entire groups to do group tracking to understand how these groups of unrelated females actually move together. Okay, so it's different from the first time you saw him. Yep, Did, so, uh, it was a different study, but you knew he was a cooperative bat, so you went back to the same spot. Yep, so we checked this spot about six months later. 
Um, and he was there, and he had a group of about, of about 10 females sitting there oh, with nice. him, okay. which is pretty great. So not only does it mean that uh, what us taking him into captivity didn't have a negative consequence for him, so he's out there thriving, and he's actually able to attract a small harem. Okay, but it's still a yeah. small group. It's a small group. And, and maybe was, kind of a test group, like... Yeah, it's sort of a test group, but it's also and it's also uh, relatively young females. So it's all females who have just sort of left their own home groups. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what this could really be is that it's a starter, a starter boyfriend for them all. Right. Right. Um, so if you think about like when you finally leave home and you get that first apartment, that first apartment is usually not the greatest place that you're actually living. Okay. In. And the dude you're hanging out with isn't maybe it's, the guy you want to stay the rest of your life. It's not going to be the keeper usually. <laughs> Um, so this, this could be the situation for them, but you know, it's a young male, a young fem bunch of young females. We're still going to try to catch them and see if what happens with them, because it could be that these females are together for 10 years. Right. So we well, don't you, know no, nobody knows. Nobody right? knows. No, this is just like, you guys are at the cutting edge of understanding what this amazing giant social bat does. Exactly. So you, you go in and how do you catch them anyway? When you go into this, this tube, how do you catch a bat? Uh, so we actually use a bucket trap. So basically it's like a big paint bucket on a stick. Okay. And the reason that we use a bucket trap like this is that the bucket, the width of the bucket is smaller than how far the bats have to extend their wings. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when we put the bucket over top of all the bats, these bats sit in a really tight cluster with each other. Oh, so you just walk up and put the bucket and over them. put the bucket down. over them, and because they want to fly away, they drop out to fly off, and they drop into the bucket. And so they can't spread their wings. That's like the easiest thing I've ever heard. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool because this also... This tunnel, then you have a bucket of bats. You have a bucket of, of giant bitey bats. <laughs> so you have to be very careful as you're taking out your bitey bats. Because okay. They could, so you know, then you cut, you like reach your hand in and... Try not to get your bones crushed. Wow. And okay. And pull them out one. But one so, it, so you've got Osito and his 10 girls squirming yep. around in this bucket. You pull them out one at a time wearing some thick gloves, I guess. Yep. And uh, give them the GPS tags. Yep. So how, put, how do you put them on? You glue them on? Uh... We put them on collars. Okay. So we developed a new collar system so that these collars will stay on for an extended period of time. So we can keep them on for a couple of weeks, but then they also will degrade and fall off. So okay. we know that they're going to fall off in a, at least a month. Okay, cool. Um, so we can get long-term data from these animals, but we know for sure that even if we can't recapture them, that they're going to lose these collars. Right. Yeah. And then you can get the data. Because in and this case, we, you have to get the, your hands on the GPS tag to get the, um, the, the data back. Yep, exactly. Because one. these are really small GPS tags, right. Push we the have limit. To, we're pushing the limit of everything on this. So okay. they have small tags with small batteries. Are they waterproof? Uh, we put them into tubing to make them waterproof. Okay. Yeah, so we're, like, we're doing all this stuff to make sure that the tags survive. Yeah. Um, but they're still like, something that we have to catch back again and download. Okay. So, you're, so, so do, you, do, you, do you let them all go together at the same time, or do you let them go one at a time? Or? We let them all go one at a time, just at the, the mouth of this tube yeah. with, where they're sitting. Okay, like so niche. back where you caught them. Yep, back so where they're caught And then you're sort of like, okay, now we've got to wait like a week or two and then go get the data. Yeah, so we don't want to disturb them again. Right. Because we already, like, you know, major disturbance. You already for them. wrecked their night once. We wrecked their night once and we don't want to do it again. So we leave them alone for another week and then go back to see do we have data. Or right. Not. So that's like, the, that's like the super nervous, exciting time, right? Yep, exactly. So, so you go back to this ditch. We go back to the ditch and we look where the bats are roosting and there are no bats there. No bats at all. No bats at all. So they oh, decided to not come back. Yeah. But so we unfortunately had to leave Panama then. So we had. You know, colleagues were staying there. Oh, no. So you're like, this yeah. big experiment, and then you're done. And, and then we, like, we had to wait for other people to Desperate. go and check on these bats for us. Okay. And luckily, there's a big bat lab in Gamboa. Okay. So, so you have colleagues that could go check yep. in on Osito. And they're happy to help, and yeah. we cooperate with a lot of stuff. So they can go check on Osito. Um, so 
eventually, about another week later, they go back and they find Osito there. And he's there, but he doesn't have any females with him anymore. Okay. And does he have his bling, his GPS tag? And he has tag? his bling. He has okay. his GPS tag. And so we're able to catch him back and get his GPS data out and see where he's been. Okay. But unfortunately, like our target of the project was to understand yeah. how these groups forged together. All females. So you never yeah. found any of the rest of the females. So we never found the rest of the females. But we think that this roost was kind of terrible to start out with. Oh, right. So this is in a big drainage ditch underneath sort of a major park that has a big road over top of it. Right. So you picked like a bunch of fickle, a fickle young teenagers who yeah. didn't stick around in one place for very long. Nope. So what happens? So we had that first young female with him who didn't stick around for very long. Right. And then we had this next group of young females who didn't stick around very long. And so it looks like Osito is finding a spot that he thinks is a good place to start <laughs> out with. But it turns out that his dirty old apartment that's full of like, you know, maybe trucks going over top of it and the water is oh, right. So it's, it's like right next to the road. Yeah, so it's, it's right got noises whenever trucks go over the top. But also this feeds directly into the Chagas River. So the water is going up and down constantly. Oh, that's a little scary. Yeah, that's so a pretty crappy floods, apartment. So if it it could actually back up almost to the top of that. Okay. tunnel so yeah. they don't have many options if if that's going to be what happens right right so the teenage girls they hung out they're like this place sucks and they moved on yep and that happened to be when you put the tags on exactly so they can find a better place somewhere else oh that's too bad so uh did were you able to do this study again with uh, any other groups of females yeah so we instead we couldn't find any more groups in gamboa so we moved to bocas del toro so okay island chain off the coast of panama yeah where there are lots of caves around okay and so we're able to find groups in caves that were using these same sites over and over and over again. So we were able to repeat the study, but with three different social groups there. Okay. And those, we got all the loggers back. And what'd you find? Uh, <laughs> we found that these bats, they all go to the same spot. So they all forage on balsa flowers that are about 30 kilometers away where they have to fly 30 over 30 kilometers away? Yeah. That's a long way. It's fly. a long way. They fly directly there and they have to fly over the ocean to get to this spot. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So these, there's like a group that I, I picture this like whole like squadron of bats that all take out of, off out of, uh, uh, take off out of a cave. Yeah. And they fly like in formation and then hit these sweet flower nectar. And that's exactly over what we ocean. thought they were doing until we looked at the timestamps of the GPS. Okay. And it turns out they all fly them fly there by themselves. Oh. But they end up in the same place at the same time. That's crazy. Yeah. So they you know will be. So they take off at different times. They take off they at different times. They all at the same time, but they and all they, go to the same place. Exactly. Huh. So they all, all already knew about it. They, all knew, they, they, they go straight line, right? Yep. They, like they, they know where they're going ahead yeah. of time. So it's amazing because you think about an animal who is, you know, weighs 100 grams, so it's not very big, but it has this understanding of a landscape that's 40 or 50 kilometers long. At least. Wide. At least. Right? Yeah. That's only in one direction. Right. That's in one direction in yeah. on, you know one season when there happens to be a tree that's flowering way over there. Yeah. So I think that there's some super powerful social information that's transferred with these animals. So either culturally over time or maybe somebody found it through their kind of foraging regime. And yeah. They come back smelling yeah, are like they're doing the, uh, the the butt waggle like the bees or, teach yeah, each other, or they smell like the flowers. Yeah, and there's something there's something about nectar for bats that is really motivating. Mm. Don't know what it is because bats will fly like fruit bats in Africa will fly 90 kilometers to go forage on flowers. Yeah, when okay. they pass over lots of fruit. Huh. They like the uh, the the sugar rush. They like the sugar rush, even though nectar is not so great. Yeah, you get more so, sugar out of fruit. So, so were the bats covered in pollen from their face from, from feeding on these flowers? Uh, no, not when we caught them in the morning, hmm. but that's because they lick all the pollen off their heads. Okay. So, one of the things, so they get nectar from these flowers, but they also get all the protein that comes from the pollen. Okay. So what you'll see that 
animals do that feed a lot on nectar is that they'll get lots of pollen on their head, but they'll come back and these bats have really, really long tongues and they'll just lick all of the pollen off. So they can face. lick their entire face with their Basically, own tongue? Basically, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. Do they, so, so do you think they're serving as pollinators by hitting different trees and moving pollen between? Yep, it's one of the really important uh, ecosystem services for these animals, I think, is that they're strong pollinators for balsa and for, some, for a couple of other plants, but really for balsa. And balsa is one of those important trees in the tropics that it's one of the first trees that arrives in degraded areas. So it's a pioneer species. Right. So everything else sort of grows up around balsa and they rely on balsa to get that foothold into right. new spots. Right, right. Cool. So so all your, your groups in, in Bocas all were flying to balsa trees. Yep. All going to balsa tree in this one little island in a river in the middle of banana plantation. So three different groups all went to the same place. Yeah. Wow. Basically I think the entire cave goes to that same place. So they probably all knew about it. They all yeah. like shared information or something yep. like that. Oh that's interesting. Yeah. And I think that this little this little balsa island is sort of a paradise because it's surrounded by water, so you don't have lots of terrestrial mammals getting in there. It's also surrounded by banana plantations. Oh, okay. So you also don't have other incursions from like, you know, kawadis or kinkajus or other things that are coming that can't really cross. So no one else can get to it except the bats. Exactly. So it's just like bats are there by themselves. It's like their own private cantina. Exactly. It's that like they Disney can go and the bats. drink and not get disturbed exactly. by exactly their best bar. But so <laughs> so did you see? Uh, so, so they're all going by themselves, so there wasn't a whole lot of coordination that you were able to see in the data, no. but they must have all coordinated already before you tagged them because they all went there by themselves, because they all went to the same place. Yeah, and so there has to be some sort of coordination or some sort of information or some sort of knowledge that they have. Right. Because we also tried to find balsa or other food around the islands of Bocas del Toro, but also on the mainland just over the, the channel between the two. Um, and we didn't actually find any flowering balsa. So this is the so only place. Oh, they had found like the only Panama place wow. where there's flowering balsa. At that yeah. time. Wow. That's interesting. So the bats knew where the hotspot was and they all went there. Yeah, somehow. And so, so there's some mystery then still about how they communicate that. Exactly. I how guess. they find or, it, how they communicate it. We still have no idea. But so there's just so much stuff to actually know about what these bats actually do. Yet. Yeah. Well, that's great. So wh what about Osito? When's the last time you saw him? Is he still hanging out in his ditch? The last time I saw Osito was in 2016. Okay. Um, and we've had people check in that ditch since then and yeah. no one has seen him. So okay. hopefully he found a much better place to live. Uh, that's what we're hoping for for him. Since okay. He was so successful with the young ladies to start out with. Like yeah. he was a he was a good guy, but so hopefully he found know. a place where biologists aren't peering in on him anymore. In exactly. The, uh, in the the science rich Gamboa. Exactly. Well, that's cool. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing the story of Osito, the um, the bat who wanted a harem but ended up in a ditch. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's good to talk about him. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Roland. Wild Animals is a production of the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences and North Carolina State University with production help from Aben Crawford.